The Transmission, episode 87, March 3rd, 2010. For every man there is a scale. On one side of the scale there is good. On the other side, evil. Aloha from the Island Lost fans. You are tuned into the transmission. This is a podcast devoted to the show Lost on ABC. I'm Jen. And I'm Ryan. And we're chiming in early this week with our take on Sundown, the sixth and latest episode of season six of Lost. Instead of our usual recap, we're going to get right to sharing our thoughts on the episode. Next, we'll hear a few early calls to come in on the Lost line in You All Everybody. And we'll wrap things up with the latest track from the Others Lost band. Now, although this is merely a short wave transmission you can get your fix of media and entertaining feedback and theories from this week's episode on our blog at hawaiiup.com slash lost i'm going to be on the road this week and next but we'll both be following the conversation there as we always learn a lot from our brilliant listeners so you ready jen let's get lost This was episode six of season six of Lost Sundown. And what did you think about this episode? It had a very high body count. Definitely, definitely moved into the high action component there toward the end. And uh, of course, any scene where the smoke monster goes on a rampage is quite, quite thrilling. But I can definitely see the sort of the momentum maybe beginning at this point. We've got sides decided, people choosing one way or the other and kind of moving on to what we presume is going to be the final conflict. Mm -hmm. So unlike the last couple of weeks, uh, at least, I feel pretty confident saying that most of the weight and heft and excitement of this episode comes on the island. Yeah, so absolutely. let's start there. I mean, first of all, it looks like Saeed has pretty much chosen the dark side here. Yeah, well, along with Claire and possibly Kate. I thought that was interesting. I mean, uh, Locke didn't look very happy to see Kate kind of come out of that cave. And, you know, maybe that's a reaction that a lot of people have when Kate suddenly turns <laughs> up to follow you. But I thought that, you know, it, it, it's something that it looks like the man in black didn't t- factor into his equation, for example. But Saeed... Saeed, obviously feeling on the outs with the folks in the temple, says, you know, apparently I'm evil and um, gets into a significant, you know, fist fight, not but just a fist fight, but a martial arts fight with Dogen, which I thought was pretty surreal. I thought that was kind of silly, actually, really? that whole fight sequence. Well, I mean, I've seen there are some fight sequences that are more blur than actual, you know, sequence of movements. And at least in that fight sequence, I kind of felt I could follow the action. It's not like the Michael Bay method of a fight scene. But I agree that, you know, because we're already having these samurai visions running through our heads. Mm -hmm. that to some extent some of that conflict uh, seemed a little cheesy but they have a good knockdown drag out fight but uh-huh. uh, eventually Dogen seems to get the upper hand and then stops because the baseball which reminds him of his son basically stops him from taking that final step I mean is that basically what that was a moment of conscience for him I guess so and another thing that I don't understand about Dogen is um, he, he sends Saeed away he's like get out of here don't ever come back right. and then he realizes that Jack and Hurley are gone and suddenly Saeed is the most important person on the island again and that whole shift between I'm going to kill you if you don't get out of here and I really need you was really jarring. Well, you know, I think you, you kind of hit it on the head, though. I mean, basically what happened was Claire says, why don't you send someone that he won't kill? Why don't you send someone to see the man in black that he won't kill? And Dogen Im- immediately asks for Hurley and Jack, i.e. maybe candidates, yeah. who by the rules maybe can't be killed. But when he realizes that he's not there, he decides to pick Saeed. Now, the choice of Saeed, though, I think is interesting in part because we've had that theory now a couple 
couple of pod, several podcasts back that maybe the only person who can kill the man in black or Jacob are people that are somehow you know embodiments of or already tied to these you know spirits that maybe he picked Saeed not because he was a candidate, but because Saeed was already partially, you know, being overtaken with the man in black spirit and could therefore be someone who could kill him. So right. I think maybe that might have been what was going on there. But I really, I, I didn't make the leap that that really deep conversation Dogen had with Saeed um, when he says that, uh, I, my, you know, Jacob came and gave me this bargain and as a result, I didn't kill you. So clearly there's, a, you know, something that we're not picking up. Maybe it's an explanation of the rules and it's the deal, the hard bargain that Jacob made with Dogen that uh, makes him know that he can't kill people. I mean, he tried to get Jack to kill you know, Saeed for him. Mm -hmm. And then we have the whole thing with um, the man in black using Ben to kill Jacob. So there's a lot of these clear examples of they can't directly, you know, take action. They have to, through deception or through other means, get other people to do it for them. Well, that's kind of what Locke did to Sawyer. He made Sawyer kill um, Anthony Cooper. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And there are a lot of instances, like Ana Lucia, I can't kill him. I have to have somebody else do it for me. Right, right. When she was going to try to kill Ben, but she couldn't do it. And she mm-hmm. she thought Michael was going to do it. But in that case, it didn't turn out quite so well for her. Right. Now, of course, this whole tendency is remarked upon in that great conversation between Saeed and Unlock in the jungle after Saeed stabs him um, or tries to stab him. And he says, this is not the first time the Dogans tried to get someone else to do it for him. But I was kind of, I mean, he seemed, where did Unlock get that? How did Unlock know about the whole Jack thing? It seemed like that's what he was referencing, but he was certainly wasn't there to see Jack try to kill Saeed for Dogan. He's the man in black. He's everywhere. I think he just maybe saw the realization in Saeed's face that this isn't the first time that this has happened. But I, yeah. I, I did think that was kind of curious. Um, getting back for a bit, you know, when you, you mentioned that he asked for Reyes and uh, Shepard, and when they were gone, he decides to go with Saeed. But is, so is not everybody a candidate? Because Miles was there. Why Why wouldn't yeah, Miles why be on the list of Miles? people? Yeah, why did he ask Miles? Yeah, I have no idea. So the question is, is it because it's a candidate that uh, Man in Black can't kill, so they would be good emissaries to go visit him in the jungle, or is there something else going on? Because remember, uh, Jacob also said to Hurley that I needed you and Jack to be away from the temple. And I guess That's to true. hell with everybody else. So there is something very specific about Jack and Hurley that doesn't apply to Miles, which I guess is unfortunate for Miles. Well, we didn't see Miles's name on the wall. True, true. We didn't see his name on the wall, but there were a lot of names on the wall. But didn't when they arrived at the temple and they nearly killed everybody and Hurley, you know, delivers the note and they all say their names. I thought that that was sort of a recognition that all of these people are special and therefore all well, of these people are candidates. No, Miles came in later. Oh, he that's came right. in with Sawyer. That's so true. They don't know who Miles is. That's absolutely right. That's a good point. So I guess uh, maybe unfortunately for Miles, then he's not a candidate. I did think that Saeed had a very fair question for Unlock, which is you clearly just sent you know Claire into the temple. Why are you now asking me to deliver this message? Jacob is dead, and you have until sundown to get out. But why, why me? Why why is it more important that Saeed deliver that message? I don't know because Claire is clearly off her rocker, <laughs> and maybe the man in black realizes that. The people in the temple will take Saeed more seriously than I, they will Claire. Yeah, that is true. I mean, they've, 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 well, here's, that's interesting because they did torture her, right? Or they did test her. And then mm-hmm. she goes bolting out of the temple, apparently. And so everyone in the temple knows that there's something wrong with Claire. But that's the same thing that they know is, is wrong with Saeed. Yeah. But that's they did true. treat Saeed with a, a great deal of fear, as we saw in the last episode. You know, they were, they were giving him a wide berth. So maybe they were just more scared of him than of her, that her Possibly. sickness made her unstable and just a little, 
you know, yeah, like you said, crazy, but it made him a, an actual tre- threat. The other thing that kind of struck me is the same way it's sort of a, a backwards version of it. But remember when Locke first reaches the others and they're all kind of looking at him and whispering, they're all mm-hmm. smiling. I mean, they're happy about it, but they're treating him also as a special and unique arrival. And Some I, kind I, of demigod even. Right. So I think that, that I saw some parallels of the way they were treating Saeed. Yes, he's a bad demigod, but he's also kind of reaching that level of reverence or, or caution that they need to pay attention to. But I, yeah, I was just kind of curious about that. Now, he does send Claire in because he has to stop at the Ash Ring. And so I'm thinking, okay, so either he has to bring people out to attack them or he has to find some way to break that Ash Ring. And I'm thinking, why doesn't he just ask Claire, could you, you know, kick this a little bit for me? And, <laughs> but that doesn't happen. And then um, it's only after... Uh, Saeed kills Dogen mm-hmm. and Lennon says now that he's dead he was the only thing keeping him out and now he comes in and, and truly right after he kills Lennon the smoke monster comes in so what is it that's been keeping the smoke monster away from the temple all this time I don't know it, the only obvious answer is, is that it has something to do with Dogen himself what that is I don't understand maybe that's part of Dogen's history that now we'll just have to wait and see that they give us. Well, you know, that's interesting because they did, in addition to telling us that Dogen is special, they also told us in this episode that he's actually just a regular dude. Yeah. He was a Japanese businessman who, like many Japanese businessmen, gets completely lit up on Fridays, <laughs> particularly when he gets into uh, he gets a promotion. And, of course, that leads to a tragic accident. Hey, car accidents and our lost characters, certainly. I mean, I'm... I'm, 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 I'm I'm assuming it's a car accident, but it sounds like that's what the context is. And that's certainly something we've seen happen with Lost. But so he was a businessman. So if he was a Japanese businessman who was brought to the island by Jacob and he had this job to protect the temple, I mean, it would seem that if he's special, he has to be imbued with some kind of power or ability or presence that I guess we just don't know. And he wouldn't need to be a Japanese businessman. He would just be there. Right. So I think the, the, the question now of what, stops the smoke monster is completely up in the air. So we know sonic fences work for whatever reason they do. We know that the ash worked, but except in this case, because it, you know, the smoke monster came right in after uh, Dogen died. So maybe it's Dogen. And we've also heard, you know, Cindy says, if it's true that Jacob is dead, then we're not safe here anymore. So it would seem that also the the presence of Jacob is, you know, a way to repel the smoke monster. They've, they've created, I think, many more defenses than I was ready to think about when I thought it could have been a, a, a very simple answer to that. Yeah, question. just the ring. I mean, that the, the ring of ash would been, have been for me, a, a very sufficient explanation. Yeah. But if you factor in all of this other stuff, it's really confusing. I don't know what it is about Dogen, but that seems to be what it is. Well, do you think maybe Dogen is the person who imbues the ash with the ability to, and without Dogen, the ash is no longer important? I because don't know. Because we had the whole thing with Ilana, you know, collecting Jacob's ash. Thing. That's true. We haven't figured out how that's going to play into it. So, yeah, more questions, it turns out, in this so-called season of answers. Uh, maybe we just haven't entered the answer period yet. Well, I'm getting impatient. <laughs> so this deal that Dogen seems to have with Jacob, it reminded me of the deal that Ben had with Juliet. You also. know, I will cure your sister and I will help her have a baby, but you need to stay here on the island and do your job. The, mm. it, I'm wondering if he ha- if Jacob has some kind of similar thing with Dogen. You know, I will heal your son, but you have to stay here and do whatever I need you to do. Yeah, and I guess, you know, Dogen doesn't see his son again as part of that deal. And That's Juliet, what he implies. And, and yeah. Juliet knows that he's, or assumes that she's not going to see Rachel, her, her yeah. sister, her nephew again, and actually 
both of them don't get off the island now. They both die. So I mm-hmm. guess that's true. There's there's kind of some similarities there between the deals that Ben makes and Jacob makes in that case. But what struck me is the interaction that Dogen says that he had with Jacob off the island is not at all like the interaction we saw Jacob have with everybody at the end of season five. Their right. chance encounters, maybe brief conversations. I think with Hurley, he was the most explicit as far as what you need to do. But it didn't sound like what Dogen got, which is you can get what you want more than anything else on this in this world, but you have to do something for me. That's not what I think Jacob did to anybody else. So I, I'm, that, that kind of confused me a little bit. Right. Maybe. maybe I don't know. Maybe... Somebody visited um, Dogen posing as Jacob just to to <laughs> simplify things. I, I don't know. I mean, no, we've never seen Jacob make any kind of a deal with a character before. Yeah, but again, you know, he's not exactly the most upright person either. I mean, no. this, this, the way that Jacob moves people is maybe not through making deals, but through uh, lying to them and, and things like that. I'm wondering if, the, I mean, it sort of sounds almost like the magic box, the metaphor that Ben talks about, you know, yeah. something that you want more than anything else and this island can make it. Happen. That definitely came to mind when Unlock was talking to Saeed about uh, what do you want most in the world? Yeah, and then Saeed gets that really faint smile when he begins to visualize that thing, that thing that he wants more than anything else. And, you know, actually, that might be more to it. Maybe it is the island, independent of Jacob or Unlock or Man in Black, that can make these things happen. But both of those characters, Jacob and the Man in Black, have figured out how to, you know, to channel that or to make things happen to meet their own ends. Mm-hmm. But if we take Dogen's story at face value and Jacob did make a deal just like the deal that Unlock is now making with Saeed, that puts them more and more on even footing. I mean, are you convinced? They say explicitly, I think at least twice in this episode, that this person, Unlock, Man in Black, is evil incarnate. Yeah. But is that true? Do you think that Unlock is bad? I have been saying for a while now, I don't think Jacob is good and the Man in Black is evil or the other way around. I think they're both probably really selfish people trying to get their way mm-hmm. and are willing to exploit the people on the island for their own purposes. Well, you know, I mean, I always, I'm definitely, I'm not sure if I'm willing to just say that they're both two sides of the same coin as you like to see that they're both, you know, shades of gray. I'm I'm liking more and more the people that make the case that the man in black is actually the good guy here. And it, it's that wonderful conversation, that great scene with Naveen Andrews and Terry O'Quinn, where he basically says, uh, where man in black or unlock says, I feel sorry for you you know Mm -hmm. he thought that I was going to kill you and uh, he's manipulating you and he's using you and when you said you know they're both kind of manipulating and and, and playing with pawns and and using these people's lives it still sounds more of an apt description of what Jacob is up to than what Man in Black is up to Man in Black seems to be explicit in wanting to get off the island just he just wants no part of this. And as far as the machinations of exploiting people's weaknesses or getting them to do what they want, that it sounds more and more like what Jacob's doing. I agree that it does sound more and more like what Jacob is doing. I just, I'm not ready to say that, I'm not ready to make it that simple. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not ready to make anything that we've seen so far that simple. This guy is good and this guy is evil. I'm not ready to really do that yet. Well, in any case, the deal is made and Saeed delivers his message, uh, allows people to leave the temple, and then the smoke monster comes in and wipes out everyone who decides not to. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was curious is that not only do our temple others, who I I thought were very, you know, devoted to Jacob and felt great fear because of this, this person, this force outside— 
that sure, I can see wanting to leave the temple if it's no longer safe, but they didn't just run away. They seem to, in that last scene, become followers of the man in black, of Unlock. And I just think that's a heck of a fast switch for them to make, to, to literally from one side to what has been up until this point for them, the absolute bad guy. Well, Saeed uses the word free. You know, he says, you're free. And mm. that reminded me of what Unlock said to Bram, you know, you are you don't have to be Jacob's bodyguard anymore. You're free. Well, what if everybody in there really didn't want to be in there? They were like Jacob's captives, slaves or, or something. And, and they've hmm. been there all this time against their will, effectively. Well, I mean, it's clear that the mere fact that Jacob is dead changed the whole game. You know, they're like, we are all followers of Jacob and oh, he's not here anymore. So all bets are off. I right. definitely got that sense. I'm not sure if they were captives necessarily, but they certainly do feel that the very foundation of their presence there it no longer exists without Jacob there. And I do think that, you know, they are, they are trying to basically depict that getting off the island or, you know, getting home is something that's motivating a lot of these people. And that raises in my mind the question is, is that something that we want? Do we want Unlock, the Man in Black Smoke Monster, and his temple, new temple followers, and Saeed and Claire, both of them possessed by darkness, to get off the island? Not necessarily, no. <laughs> I, I think that prospect is one of the reasons why I still I can see a good case for them not being the good guys, because they're certainly not people that I'd want turning up on my doorstep looking to crash on my couch. <laughs> At least or not Claire. <laughs> well, also at the temple, you know, suddenly other people turn up with apparently really, really bad timing. I mean, you've got Ben, Ilana, Frank, and Son showing up. They're going there because it's a safe place to be. Oh, and they happen to show up mm -hmm. at the at the incident of Armageddon. Uh -huh. I, mean, I would think that if you show up at the temple and there's a smoke monster wreaking havoc, maybe not come in the door, maybe not get involved in any way. I don't know. So that whole thing, that, that whole thing was really weird. Just the timing of them coming, and it's at the very end. It's like, oh well, we haven't seen these people in a while, and they'll be important later on, maybe. So here they are. Well, I mean, the whole thing that uh, you know Frank's line, like we you know we don't have time to catch up. We, we'll play catch up later. I mean. Uh -huh. Basically, yes, we're thrusting you into this circumstance. And uh, although it was kind of nice to see Ilana, you know, she's clearly up to something. She asks specifically where the other candidates are. So she's got a list in her mind of the people that she needs to protect right. or collect or bring with her. Um, obviously, J Miles had to deliver son the news that Jen is still around and uh -huh. probably accessible to her. Uh, and and the uh, secret passage that Jacob shows Hurley comes, comes into play again. It is a way to get out of the temple when the smoke monster is uh, bouncing around. Right. But in terms of bizarre arrivals at the temple, why did Kate come back? I, I'm almost certain that the last thing he t she tells Jack is, I'm not going back to the temple. I'm going to find Claire. So why does she show up at the temple? I don't know. Maybe she has a, maybe she knows Claire is there. I don't know how she would know that, but. <laughs> I just thought that was strange for her to return specifically after saying that that was not what she was going to do. But again, maybe that's Kate. I think that's... I audibly groaned when she came on screen. Oh, no. Now, now. <laughs> she did, her, her entry did seem a little strange, though. And, you know, of course, Miles kind of looks up at her and goes, wow, you know, <laughs> which is very much Miles' uh, modus operandi. I kind of liked his line about, you know, Claire, the Australian. Still hot, yeah. yeah she, she was acting kind of funny, but she's still hot. Um, but in any case, speaking of Kate and moving to Claire, we have the encounter when she's in the pit, very Silence of the Lambish, I thought. Oh, yeah. And um, basically... Kate does tell Claire, first they're all happy, happy to see each other, and then Kate does tell Claire exactly what she doesn't want to hear. Mm -hmm. I have your son, yeah. and I raised him. I got him, took him off the island, and her face turns very dark, very menacing. But um, she doesn't 
you know, she doesn't leap up and try to rip her throat out or anything like that. She just because she doesn't do it now doesn't mean she's not <laughs> planning on it. I mean, I you know, is crazy as Claire might be right now she's also probably very methodical and she's maybe got a plan who knows well I kind of like that you know basically when Kate says that uh, I'm here to rescue you I'm here to help you and then Claire gets that smile on her face like oh you're so naive you have no idea uh-huh. what's about to happen and actually when the smoke monster does come in it seems that Claire invites her to come down into the pit with her and it, 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 in a slightly helpful way so again uh-huh. yeah I mean she maybe she has a longer plan there but revenge is a dish best served cold I guess I guess it could be coming later I'm wondering if anything changed when she said that you know I'm, I, I want to reunite the two of you I'm not trying to separate you but Probably not. What I want to know a couple of things is Kate says, um, I raised him. I don't think you can take credit for raising a kid after <laughs> no. three years. That's just, that, that's not. And secondly, you, you would think that the best thing to say after I took your son would be, he's with your mom. You exactly. <laughs> Why didn't she say that? Why didn't she say that? You know, of all, of all the people in the world, it would be a relief to me to know that my children were with my mother. Why doesn't she just say that? Well, again, uh, many of our characters, and I think Kate in particular, has a ha- have a habit of sort of stopping short of exactly what they need to say yeah. in order to basically prolong that dramatic tension. So in any case, we have the fantastic smoke monster attacks the temple scene, you know, whips through there, knocks things down, things catch fire, body parts everywhere. Oh, yeah. That was something else. I mean, in terms of uh, action scenes or uh, effect scenes, definitely one of the more effective ones on the show. It's probably the the best last five minutes of a show in a long time because of the smoke monster and also that last sequence where Claire is singing over the orchestral version of Catch a Falling Star mm-hmm. and they're all walking out and everybody looks really creepy. It was just a great closing um, segment. Yeah, very, very eerie. I, th- I, I agree. I mean, in terms of uh, a way to end an episode, that was a way to do it. I mean, you remember the dark days where we would sometimes have a two-week break or a four-week break? Oh, yeah. Or, of course, the long break between right in the middle of a season. That would be the kind of scene that you would feed to somebody before that. But w- at least we know that we only have one week to <laughs> wait until the next new episode. Now, uh, when the smoke monster, though, went over the hole that Kate was in, did you see, like, it was still flashing. I mean, it was still kind of doing its something i mean yeah i noticed that it used to show images to people or we thought that maybe it was showing their uh their uh their flashes before the rise of their lives or something but i couldn't really pick out what it was but i'm sure the the tivo nation will pick that one it's probably already up i wouldn't doubt it so well basically on the island everybody is now together and um Uh moving on toward the uh well wait except for sawyer and and jen and I don't think we've seen Richard in a while either. That's true. Wait a minute. Where is Sawyer? Sawyer was. I thought Sawyer was following um, uh, Unlock around, and I, I figured when we didn't <gasps> see him right. when we didn't see him last week outside of the tent with Claire, I just figured that we would. He's just standing out there, but he's not there either now. No. So Sawyer is still off on his own. I guess he's maybe not a devoted at least follower of Unlock. Maybe, maybe not. And I mean, Jin. When did we last see Jin? Well, Jin is injured, and Jin is at uh, Claire's tent. So maybe he just wasn't up to. Oh, that's traipsing around that's in the true. jungle. I forgot. But about the trap but richard's a good point i mean we're he, he's basically hiding he wanted to get to the temple too yeah so 
that it, it, you know everybody else seemed to have the same bad timing to show up at the temple. I wonder why Richard didn't show up exactly <laughs> when when um, the smoke monster got in there. But in any case, apart from those missing characters, um, we definitely see one side of the story kind of moving along and all of our characters coming together. So I do like that in terms of giving us a hint as to the momentum as the rest of the season. But uh, we should talk a little bit about what happened off the island. I not I would say the most compelling flash sideways we've not- seen. Not really. There was a lot of unnecessary exposition in the um, off-island story. Oh, I'm a successful businessman. I'm not a killer anymore. You know, they spelled out so many things. And I run a dry cleaning business. Yeah. And, you know, I've got... I, 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 so, yeah, I mean, not strong. I mean, I did feel still, yeah, to, to Naveen Andrews' credit, considering what he's doing on the island, I did feel a great deal of his emotion off the island. I did feel that his chemistry with Nadia was still strong. Yeah, that you did get the sense that even though he hooked his brother up with her, that he's been carrying a, a flame for her for for twelve. Yeah, years. Yeah, he that was absolutely through. very convincing, and I thought both um, Andrea Gabriel and and he did a really good job. It's just I felt like the story that they wrote for Saeed really wasn't all that interesting. Yeah, it was just a little flat. I mean, well, here's the question though: Saeed is still a mysterious globe-trotting business person. He talks about delivering legal documents for an oil company, for example. Uh-huh. But then you see that I would say that for somebody who was tortured by being a torturer and trying to repent and make up for that, and he says that he can't be with Nadia as a result, that there wasn't too much hesitation when he decides to go ahead and off Kimi. You know, he says, forget it. He says, I can't, and blows him away. Yeah. So part of me wonders if is is Saeed a fully reformed, repentant person in the Flash Sideways, or is he still possibly a globe-trotting hitman like when he was working for Ben? And, right. and that's that's still to be revealed. What do you think? I don't think any. I don't think repentance has anything to do with it. I think his true nature is a killer, but I think he is probably very conflicted about that. I think he wants to truly be a good, upstanding person. Well, I like that, you know, Nadia basically knows, though. Nadia knows. Nadia says, whatever it is you think uh, you're thinking of doing, don't do it. Oh, I mean, yeah. She has a clear understanding of his nature. His brother says, I know who you are, so I know you can help me with this. So to some extent, what I saw in that great scene with with Kimi where he does blow him away is right before he pulls the trigger, I get the sense that he resigned himself to that inner self to right. his just his like he resigned self. to working for Ben mm. you know he didn't want to but he felt like well this is the role that I'm playing this is the the niche that I'm fulfilling which is I mean basically that means I don't think there's redemption necessarily for Saeed's character but I do think that it makes him an interesting and certainly tragic character yeah it does in that sense now he does kill Kimi and it should bear noting that yes Kimi is here Kimi Uh among many of the other random people like Rose and others who turn up in the flash sideways crossing paths with our losties Kimi is one um, someone who we've never been particularly fond of I mean he was a great bad guy but he was a bad Bad guy, so I uh-huh. thought it was delicious that uh, he was a, a greasy loan shark. He was totally channeling Christopher Walken, <laughs> didn't you think? I guess he was channeling something. I mean, he was. I you could tell that the actor was enjoying himself. Oh yeah, totally he's like he's up. totally laughing on the inside. So I mean, that was a lot of fun. I mean, how about that line? I make great eggs. <laughs> I well, that was cool. you know, this is like the second or third time we've seen characters make eggs for other characters. Well, there was the episode Egg Town. Right, exactly. But in the beginning of that episode, Locke is making eggs for Ben. 
Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. And you, so I was trying to figure out, it, it seemed to me that it, they were invoking something the way that he sits down with a plate of eggs and starts eating the eggs while he's talking. And there must be a movie or a gangster kind of uh, model that I'm missing there. But you, but that's true. Eggs are, are have been invoked on the show before. So that's definitely a good catch. But actually, Kimi turning up in Saeed's Flash Sideways was a, a minor one. I mean, there was a much bigger Jin, you know, encounter. Jin. Yeah. Well, how does Jin get from LAX to a floor in the kitchen of a restaurant? Well, I, th- I find that fascinating. So, I mean, in a way, now we've seen something happen in this Flash Sideways that almost requires there to be a kind of flash back or you know we've now seen something further <laughs> than what we'll probably see later i would hope we would see later explaining what happens after sun and jin get separated at the airport and jin gets taken into custody so something happens i mean what is the connection between kimi and uh, jin well kimi is a loan shark which means he has access to a lot of money and jin had a lot of money well, so, okay, so Mr. Pike and, and Kimi or whoever Kimi might work for, there might have been an exchange. Actually, you know what? The simpler explanation is that uh, Jin was returning, was making a payment to Kimi, just like Kimi right. was waiting for from uh, Saeed's brother. But because Jin gets stopped at the airport and presumably the government keeps the cash, he can't pay oh, Kimi. Oh, right. So, oh, yeah. So, I, yeah, that's kind of... that's. That, but I mean, that's a great crossover. I mean, I'm kind of curious about where that money was headed. Um, I was about to ask about like maybe Kimi's in the watch business or you know some, something about the watch that Jin was uh, delivering for Mr. Pike, one of the two watches that oh, he right. was delivering. But right. um, it might be something much more simple than that. He was supposed to pay Kimi, but the money is gone. So now Kimi was torturing him the same way that probably was about to happen to Omer. Right. So in any case, all of our losties are still encountering each other in this flash sideways. They're complete strangers on the plane, but they are still somehow coming into each other's lives. I, I'd, I'd like to imagine that they're going to continue to come together and, and cross each other's paths, perhaps towards some great end or predetermined fate for them. But do we have any better understanding this week what the flash sideways represent in relation to what's going on on the island? Is it something just as simple as the as the denouement of the overall story? We see the end, and whatever that end item is puts us on the path that we see in the Flash Sideways, and that's actually the no, end of the show. No, I, I don't know. I, I personally feel that what we're seeing now is what is supposed to happen, and it's prevented from being from for some critical event that didn't or did happen, and something is going to happen on the island right now that is going to allow the future that is supposed to be to be so the future so what that means is that the show that we've been watching for the last five years is the aberration or the wrong path for things right and that what we're seeing in the flash sideways is the end result of what we're seeing on the island which is the the correct path you already i'm starting to get that it's my nose bleeding but (laughs) I, i mean for example we have saeed who apparently is told that he will be able to be back with Nadia, Mm -hmm. which we know we saw uh, Jacob playing a key role in robbing Saeed of his time with Nadia off the island after he returns because of the car accident. And even in that act alone, you're not sure if he's saving Saeed or causing Nadia's death. But let's say for the moment that, you know, at least in that scenario, Saeed did have an opportunity to see Nadia. So is what we're seeing on the flash sideways a result of Jacob winning? And so, you know, these things happen? Or is it the, the man in black winning and delivering on this promise? No, I think it's the man in black. I think the, the man in black represents the way things were supposed to be. Hmm. And somehow defeating Jacob is going to put 
for better or for worse, everything right. You well, know? that's interesting because in that case, then maybe what we saw at the end of season five is Jacob, you know, basically trying to confound <laughs> that that's that actually something set into motion by the man in black and that it's, it's Jacob trying to interfere with that. Right. I, I have a distinct feeling that we've just gone in a figure eight and have not actually solved anything, but I feel a little better about the conversation. Well, well here's another <laughs> thing. We, the whole conversation about um, Dogen and his son, that I have to leave, I have to come to the island, I'll never see my son again, but he'll save my son. Yet in the flash sideways, Dogen is still with his son, and right. they're both happy and having a good relationship, and he's not even in Japan. So, um, again, did Jacob deliver on his promise to Dogen, and he wins this conflict so that they end up a happy family, or at least a single-parent family in L.A.? I don't know. Maybe else? maybe Dogen is allowed to be with his son despite Jacob, Despite the things that Jacob does. The other way to see that, though, oh my, is, you know, we saw Jacob intercede somehow with Saeed and Nadia on the street, and something bad happens to Nadia, which is what, uh, which is confounding what Saeed always wanted. I think, basically, if we've not seen what happens in the sideways flashes, the answer will basically come if something happens to Dogen and his son. I mean, so on the island, Dogen feels that he could no longer see his son anymore, but he did so to save his son's life. So I would say in the flash sideways, if Dogen is killed, maybe doing something heroic, then he gets the same end result, that his son is saved, but Dogen no longer gets to spend time with him. So I don't know. I mean, that could be one. I mean, now I'm kind of worried for Dogen off the island as well as I am for him on the island. Wow, that would be really ironic, yeah? Yeah, or, or at least Alana's. Ironic. I don't know which definition of that would be. But so, again, I think now that we'll kind of get some answers, maybe if things start to unfold in a way in the flash sideways that seems familiar to us in Jacob's interactions at the end of season five. Yeah. That said, I am kind of sad to see Dogen go. I thought that he was a great character. Yeah, he was. Lennon less so. (laughs) Well, we don't know anything about Lennon. You know, we only saw him in, in his capacity as a yes man. Right, right. He could have been a really interesting guy, but. But you know. Dogen, I thought, was was great. And unfortunately, I guess this is the end for him. I mean, that was a very short turn for what I thought was a promising, you know, interesting, deep character. Yeah, I thought so, too. Well, here's a question. He gets drowned in the same water that um, that Said was drowned uh, in. Yeah. So does that mean that that process actually turns Dogen? He'll, is he going to basically sit up mysteriously in two hours and become also an agent of the man in black? I don't know. Is the water still murky? Yeah, it was still brown and dirty. They definitely showed that when the baseball comes out of his hand and flows. So Maybe that's what Lennon meant. The whole process of drowning him in the pool is what starts him on the path of, of having the men in, man in black inside of him. And, and now the man in black can get in. Okay, so it's not just the fact that he's dead, that the caretaker of the temple is dead that allows the smoke monster to get in, but that maybe the caretaker of the temple is now possessed by this darkness that allows the smoke monster to get in. Yeah. That's that's an interesting way of put, of thinking about it. I mean, that would be basically one way to keep Dogen around, although he'd then become evil Dogen. And maybe that'd actually be kind of interesting. <laughs> well, there, was there anything else in this episode that uh, struck you? Any favorite lines that you liked a lot? I think it would be best if you were dead. Yeah, well, that's that was a very polite way of putting Just it, I the, think. <laughs> no, the matter-of-fact way he said it was actually really funny, I thought. Mm, definitely. I thought that was good. I liked how Miles basically tells Kate, welcome back to the circus. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 
both he as as we, as we mentioned before he and Hurley are kind of the uh, commentators on the action sort of the voice of the fan but uh, Miles is much more wry much more dry uh-huh. than Hurley is and especially after some of the really I think kind of rough lines last week out of Hurley uh, Miles was kind of more of a breath of fresh air this week yeah I agree well we do also like to talk about locations on the show and there were only a couple that were immediately recognizable the house where Nadia lived with the Saeed's brother and where they were out on the street with the kids and the bus that's at Waiohinu Drive in Kahala and uh, we reported on that shoot way back you know last year so mm-hmm. but that was a great uh, location and also the kitchen where all of the action took place and where Saeed and killed Kimi and found Jin is at the Ko'olau Golf Club in Kaneohe it's mm-hmm. it's actually part of a now a large church complex but they were using that um, kitchen there and you can go back a couple of months into our archives the forward cabin where we reported on that scene was still one of the more epic examples of a visiting fan being able Uh to get very close to the action. Although the story that was told is different in some ways than what unfolded on screen. So, you know, the forward cabin isn't always reliable. So I kind of like that. Well, those are our thoughts on Sundown, the sixth episode of season six of Lost. Uh, Just our initial reactions in this shortwave transmission. Now let's hear for some other voices. Coming up, a quick visit with you all, everybody, with a few calls from the Lost One. I'm North Carolina. Wow, dude. Um, I don't know. This whole episode, I was like, because I really liked that last week's episode. This whole episode, I was like, man, this episode's pretty good. That's just pretty good. It might be as good as last week. And then once they showed that end sequence with the monster and everybody meeting back up at the temple, I was like, God, man, it's the best episode of the season. And it's, it just keeps getting better. And I hope it stays on that path. But um, a couple things to point out. Um, Return of Bamp Saeed. He was amazing. He had awesome fighting sequences with Dogen when he slit, uh, uh, what's his name, Lennon's throat. That was amazing. When he shot Kimi. Um, I, first of all, Kimi, what's up with that? That was totally random but love to see him again um that was amazing Jen in the in the kitchen what's that about um I really like how these uh, flash sideways are sort of mixing together now and um I don't know I really love the episode I totally think Claire's going after Kate now that death stare she gave him was uh pretty intense um I love the montage at the end with uh the Catch of Fallen Star song that was a really nice addition to the music um Saeed, is he infected, or is he just, like, with uh, anti-lock right now? Because when um, Ben comes up to him and he's like, we can go, and he's like, or um, we have a chance to go, and he's like, not for me, he, he totally gave, like, that crazy person smile. So, I don't know. I'm I'm on the fence, but I think he might be infected. But um, that's my two cents. Can't wait to hear the podcast, and I will talk to you all later. Hey, Ryan and Jen, my name is RJ from Rhode Island, and uh, holy freaking crap, and I don't use that term lately. And first off, I'd like to say that someone finally out and ended Saeed, okay? And even though Saeed eventually got his payback in the end and eventually killed him, but still, that was impressive. And what the heck is up with the baseball? That's really creepy, and I really have no idea what that what that could even be about at all, and... I don't know if you noticed, but the guy who was joking about making eggs was actually the mercenary that killed Alex. So we see some more, uh, you know, where the people from the other universe run into each other. And I think that we can see Saeed getting claims. I think the the process is slowly starting. 
Or I'm not sure if that's what's happening or if he's just getting mad because people keep trying to kill him. And, I mean, I'm really upset that I only get the initial reaction, but I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, thanks, and keep up the podcast. Hey, Ryan and Jen. Uh, I would like to say about tonight's episode, an amazing Saeed episode. What a fantastic island action. And I think we finally got Kate's importance uh, tonight. I think we've, we've, we've seen what role she's going to play in the overall scheme of things right there at the end. Take care, guys. Bye. Hey, guys. Uh, this is Quam uh, 7 And, uh, man, talk about a guy that cannot escape uh, destiny. I mean, there is not a reality that Saeed's not a killer. I mean, golly. And, and as far as the, the, the man in black or Locke or whatever, man, only the devil offers you anything you want. He's got to be the bad guy. Hey, keep up the good work. I'll take care. Hey, Ryan and Jim, this is Stan in Texas. I hate to throw some water on this, but this was just not my favorite episode. And I didn't hate it, but it wasn't my favorite either. I felt like it was mostly a transitional episode, but a bit overhyped by ABC. Very little was revealed. We had some new characters die off. Who really cared? Um, we had some old characters acting out of character, mainly Clarence, i.e. Felt like that the side story was a bit predictable, a bit of a waste of time, I'm afraid. Um, some of our characters were reunited near the end of the show, but it did, it did very little for this episode, set up future shows. And my biggest problem is that they're, I feel like they're removing some of the mystery by making it very difficult to root for Man in Black. Not by the way he's acting, but by his followers. They're just too weird. Again, mainly Claire and Saeed. Hope next week's episode will be better. Love the podcast. Aloha, Ryan and Jen. This is Jonine calling from Arizona. Long-time listener? first-time caller. Just thought I'd leave a few thoughts on Sundown. I thought this was an awesome episode. Although there was not much mythology, I thought it was a great way to move the story forward with Saeed's character. Now with that, I think choices are going to be huge going to the second act of the season. Uh, it was sad to lose Dogen and Lennon at the end, but running into Jin and Jack and Saeed's flash sideways made up for it. The funniest scene in the whole episode? Saeed stabbing Locke in the jungle. I thought that was priceless. Now, hearing Catch a Falling Star, sung by Claire again, kind of made me feel nostalgic as we get into the, the final episodes here. But I uh, can't wait to hear what everyone thinks. Great podcast. Keep up the great work. Mahalo, and thanks again. Bye-bye. Hey, guys. This is Josh from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Man, what a, I love this episode. I just love Lost. It's just the greatest thing ever. Okay, so I think that um, what Fake Life is trying to do is he's just trying to eliminate all of the possible candidates or whatever, because uh, once all of them are gone and there's nobody there to uh, take the role of Jacob, then he's finally clear. So he's just going to recruit everybody, and he has to just make sure that there's no possible candidates, that there's nobody else that can do anything else as a protector of the Jacob role of the island, and then he's free. All right, that's what I think. You guys are awesome. Bye. Hello, Ryan and Jen. This is Matt Anderson calling from Minnesota. I thought the episode was pretty good throughout, but then great at the ending, of course, with the smoke monster massacre, that was exciting. And then the very end, you saw Saeed walking out, kind of with his, with his crazy eyes, uh, similar to how Claire looked when she started to go nuts. And then uh, Kate joining up with the bad guys, or not really joining, but at least around them, which is either going to be dangerous for her or interesting to see what happens uh, 
I saw Locke kind of look at her and be like, all right, you come with us? Come on, let's go. No words necessary. He's just bringing her along for the ride. So uh, I feel like this episode is just setting the stage for uh, a big battle to come. This is kind of the first the first uh, fight in the the big war that's going to happen. So anyways, I uh, look forward to hearing what you guys have to say tonight. And uh, thanks for a great podcast. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Hi, Ryan and Jen. This is Connie in Oregon now. used to be Connie in Alaska. Um, I just wanted to throw out a little uh, observation that it seems like um, Jacob and the man in black are more similar than they are dissimilar. They both make deals with people, promising people impossible things. And uh, tonight, Dogen mentioned that it's all about balance, good and good and bad, and and he tested Saeed and, and found that he balanced more towards the bad. And I think what we're seeing is Jacob and Man in Black are are the same. Man in Black may tilt a little more toward the bad. Jacob may toward, tilt a little more toward the good, but they're basically the same. Thanks. Hope this uh, you enjoy your uh, travels this week, Ryan, and uh, I'll keep listening. Bye. Hello, Ryan and Jen. This is Sandy calling from L.A. Sandy in L.A. calling. Um, I I don't know what you guys are going to be doing. I know that uh, it's a short everything, but I just had to say I am stunned. I had to say it to someone who would understand I'm stunned. Stunned. This was stunning, this episode. I'm practically speechless, which is why I just keep saying I'm stunned. I'm sure there will be people who will say, we're not getting any answers, but I think there were so many answers tonight. I think we were told what the sideways flashes might be, and dark and light, and good and bad, and evil, and um, I'm just stunned. And if anybody thinks that this was... (laughs) This was an uninformative episode. They have not been watching the same show I have been watching. That's all I have to say. Ryan, have a great trip, and um, I will miss the very detailed analysis that we usually get from you guys, but uh, I understand. Aloha. Holy creepy Claire. This is Emily in Colorado, and that episode completely creeped me out. At the end of it, I just kept saying, this is so creepy. This is so creepy. It just reminded me of... um, in season one, when, when Walt was, like, dripping wet and, and, like, talking backwards, saying, they're coming, and it was like, it was like you have nightmares about it. I, I found it really interesting that the smoke monster couldn't go in the hole that Claire was in, and it made me think of, like, when Rousseau had to, like, live kind of underground, and that might have protected her from him, or, like, when people would, like, hide in trees. I always wondered why, when they're hiding in trees, the smoke monster couldn't get at them, and all the Dharma stations, a lot of them were, like, built in caves or underground, so I wonder if that was all, like, protecting people from the smoke monster. So that was that was interesting, amongst many other things, and I, I enjoyed watching Kimi get killed again. I, I'm not sure why, except it was satisfying. And uh, at the end, I, I especially liked uh, the look on Kate's face at the very, very end, that, just that scene with her face, because it... It looked like, I think, how the audience felt watching that last scene, which was pretty much we're all watching it thinking, you know, what in Jacob's name is going on here. could understand it. So, anyways, those are my comments. Enjoy your week. 
Mahalo for those calls, everyone, and big thanks, as always, for all of your feedback, your emails, comments each week. Though we're only putting out a shortwave transmission this week, the discussion about sundown will continue on our blog at whatyup.com slash lost. Already 100 comments as we record this Tuesday night. We hope you'll stop by and be a part of, I think, one of the best weekly online conversations about our favorite show. And now to close things out for your listening enjoyment, the latest new track from the Others Lost Band. They're based in Boston, and they write and record a new song every week based on the latest new episode. And this one has a really different sound. It's inspired by the great Jack-centric episode Lighthouse, and it's called Mission Unaccomplished. Enjoy, everybody, and talk to you next week. Stay lost. Aloha. When did I get my appendix out, mom? There's a scar on my stomach, gotta go pick up my son At a funeral for my dad, but the body wasn't there And then when we found his will, he had left something to Claire Dogen likes your honesty, Jack Everything's an option, but your friends aren't coming back The kitchen's down the hallway, Jacob says to get a pen Someone's coming to the island, Hurley needs to help them He's a fan of temples, he's like Indiana Jones Jacob, what did Dogen say? Hurley, you don't wanna know Go tell Jack what Jacob said He lied to a samurai and Jacob is kinda dead He's like Obi-Wan Kenobi Mission unaccomplished, Jacob said This podcast is a proud member of the Lost Podcasting Network. 
Get all your favorite Lost podcasts in one feed at lostcasts.blogspot.com.